Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 378, and today we'll be talking about Witches Before Wizards from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. So, uh, you were right, David. The first episode, much more piloty. This felt like a this felt like a proper episode. Well, it still got some like early series weirdness because is this the only mention of wizards in this whole show? Because everything's witches from here on out. Witches and demons. They were all over this episode. I find it hard to believe that wizards just disappear into the ether. I guess they are really just dudes in pajamas. Or I'm, I'm sorry, what did she say? Um, some, some kind of drapery? Distinguished drapery? Probably not distinguished. That wouldn't be no, the right no, word no, because no. it was not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't know if wizards are real. It's not made any clearer having watched this. Uh, because, yeah, it, well, I mean, he literally wasn't. He was some horrible puppeteer monster. Yeah, he was a demon, which is one of the, like, two species on this island. Oh, I guess technically anything that's a monster is a demon. That's true. Yeah, it's like there's witches, which is people with pointy ears and the bile sacks, I believe. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's right. They do have bile sacks. <laughs> we technically have sacks of bile somewhere in us, I think. Yeah, gallbladder. It's a liver <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. the gallbladder. Yes. But I, this this was the second episode, and I've made a decision. I really like Hootie. You've made the right decision. <laughs> I know. Usually his, th- like, that kind of humor would really annoy me, but it just hits right every time. Hoot! I mean, I think it's because it's Alex Hirsch. Like, that really Correct. helps it. <laughs> That's, like, Correct. it would be really annoying but if it he has Hirsch. the right sense of things, so, you know. Because he just says things funny. Like, he talks funny, but that does not carry the joke. Right. He's pretty awesome. I had to look up who voiced Gildersnake on the, the wiki, and they, they say it was him. And it's like, man, I, I knew it wasn't Parker Simmons, but I cannot not hear Orangusnake every time I listen to the whole, My only weakness! dying <laughs> so now i want to hear that crossover yeah but uh, hootie is um i i like his that so far the i mean like the show is literally called the owl house and all we get is this annoying creature that keeps getting <laughs> his face hit so many times the poor thing yeah this um i felt like the first episode didn't feel like the rest of the show yeah it definitely is a pilot as far as i can tell but the the second episode it like just immediately set up okay this is what the rest of the show is going to be well and importantly it also made sure to let us know that lose is not a chosen one and they i like that that is the premise it's making sure that that's like a rule good to rip that band-aid off right away (laughs) exactly yeah good for them on avoiding the loses the chosen one witch trope to Luz isn't the chosen one, also a witch trope, because there is another witch show that uh-huh. has them. Like, we're getting to the point where it's parodies of parody, of, like, witch school, witch or wizard, like, magic school show. Yeah, we say, so what are we talking, Wigs Club here, or witch, or which other witch show are we talking about? Little Witch Academia, one I've oh. watched. Where it's okay, like, okay. you have Harry Potter, the chosen one, right? I was like, the big magic school one and then you had little witch where it's like actually they're not the hero and they're bad at everything and then you have the <laughs> owl house which is like yes they're bad at everything but they're also good at other things 
and it was just like yeah. I find that very funny because it's it's like you can't because they've already had the satire of the magic school like you're five years behind right well and they tried to start not with the magic school which is where we start here right Ida saying oh I'll get you a staff normally people get them at school but we're not doing that at least not for the first season. <laughs> I, I like that they have the the school in the in the intro, not just in the end credits. So we're getting there, I guess. Well, I really I thought it was very funny how like a good half of the first season is like loses not joining magic school. That is not a narrative that we're setting up. It's not happening. But then she just joins magic school. <laughs> like I thought they were they were gonna make the whole thing of this story being she never gets into magic school, but then it just happens. But they have them in the in the intro. They're in the intro. I'm surprised it takes half a season. <laughs> I was expecting it to be like five episodes tops. Yeah, this it, it they they really wanted to set is the setting the home base isn't the school. The setting is the outhouse, right? <laughs> like she's not going to boarding school. <laughs> like this is day school. <laughs> I mean, it is. It will become important that she's at the school though because. The characters we get to meet there are so important, and it's such a core part of the show. Whereas, you know, something like Steven Universe, no child never goes to school. That causes all sorts <laughs> of problems for him, really, if you if you think about it at the end of the day. He was a little upset about it, at least in future. So, you know, I'm I'm glad with everybody playing with different areas of kid with maybe magical or not magical destiny, maybe going or not going to school, and maybe having friends their age or not. You know, I'll keep taking different <laughs> flips of the toggles. But, oh, but uh, uh, yeah. he's, he's younger. Gus is younger. Significantly, he, like, skipped a grade. Yeah. And then his voice actor hit puberty, and they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess he has to hit puberty. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. But, you, you know, you said that it was like an ordinary episode of the owl house but there is there's one thing because the this one begins with a recap of the previous episode i guess just in case you missed it and uh you know sets up a realization it wasn't just a dream and then she snuggles with king and he's very happy to have been snuggled with even though he pretends not to like it uh king is weirdly responsible in this episode he <laughs> is a goofball so much more of the time but i guess compared to lose starting off he knows a lot more, and his cynicism is very appropriate. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, they do sneak in some of the he's really just a little pet dog in here because he just wants to take a nap all the time. Yeah, I, I like how he has the sign on the bathroom. It's like like he made that because he needed validation. <laughs> yeah. King is another thing where it's like, if it was anybody but Alex Hirsch, I would find him, like, insufferably annoying. But because it's Alex Hirsch, he just is good, right? <laughs> it's just really funny all the time. Just, like, constant jokes just laid on you. Yeah, I don't know if it's, like, what the qualities are. Like, I wish I could describe. I mean, maybe it's just yeah. because we do know it's Alex Hirsch, which is terrible. But, no, there is something about his... It's not deadpan delivery, but he's he's so committed to these characters. You know, King is just so sure of himself and everything he says, whether it's wrong or right, he just says directly. And, you know, he's in excruciating pain when people are ignoring him. And he's, you know, cute and cuddly when he and, and soft when he just wants to take a nap. So it, it all it's a very it's a very committed <laughs> character, even with Hootie, right? Like they're such ridiculous characters 
that he fully takes on. So I think that's part of what makes them so appealing is this owl, like the voice is stupid. He's just like, hoo, hoo, oh no, that should be dumb. <laughs> and yet like he's a, he gets hurt. He's a, he's like, he gets hurt. He gets offended. <laughs> he has thoughts and feelings. So that, that well, does I think, create okay, a lot of appeal. David, I hate to interrupt your monologue. <laughs> You're trying very much to be like, these characters land because of these specific... No, they land because Alex Hirsch is funny. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the connecting... He's just really funny. Like, he just got, does jokes good, you know? So, if he's... And, and you can tell that he's definitely, like, writing the jokes for these characters. Yeah. So, it just... And it works with his delivery so well that it doesn't matter what character he's playing... He'll he'll make it work. Yeah, he'll make it. It's gonna be enjoyable to watch because he's just so funny. Like he's gonna take it and come up with just like the best freaking jokes you've ever heard, and so you end up liking this character kind of by like force. <laughs> you just have Sheer to love force him. of will, baby. It's causing me like so much joy of laughter to this character that I now become invested in like the thing that I wouldn't have found interesting at all. I got tricked into liking them. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when we talked about a lying witch and a warden two mm -hmm. weeks ago, you guys mentioned something about Ida being cursed. And I'm assuming that has something to do with the who are you again part that while they carried it over past the uh, theme song, it didn't really lead anywhere. It feels like that's set up for that. Am I right in reading that? I mean, either that or it's just communicating how neglectful and not committed to this whole like relationship she is yet and also maybe it's a little bit of sarcasm and a joke i don't think she actually forgot uh... she does keep calling her a human though instead of like by her name so there is a, a bit of a aloofness to their relationship so far but that's interesting i hadn't really thought about it as an allusion to her sickness i don't know because I, I don't i don't know what her curse is yet i haven't i don't delve into the wikis but you Literally haven't watched the rest of the show. No. GC's our naive viewer. We get to play off it. It's amazing. You're you're watching one episode at a time, recording <laughs> about it, and then just watching another episode? It's the beautiful drip feed. I'm going to eventually binge through the series. This is going to be a tough week for me with Summer Camp Island coming out. But once Summer Camp Island oh, is Oh, it's clear, just a it's tough week for me because I have finals. But I know your cartoons are really hitting all at the same time. Very I mean, stressful. <laughs> we made it through the drip <laughs> oh, yes, of yes. so many other shows, so, like, it is possible. Yeah, I mean, like, nobody can match GC's commitment to cartoons, so I honestly don't blame him for being overwhelmed if, like, a lot of them release at the same time. Mm -hmm. You give me too much credit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of wrestling and PC games involved in there, so. Oh, True. yeah. <laughs> Got a lot going on. What were we talking about? Uh, well, we... Is Ida is Ida cursed? Like, is her curse obvious from this? Like, is she forgetful because she's cursed? Like, did you see any allusions to that? Oh, that um, Ida is forgetful because of her curse? Right. Like, that was like a character trait that they were giving to her? I, I don't know, because it's like, she didn't seem to be doing sarcasm with Luz. It's like... I think she genuinely just didn't like her. I just got the impression that it's like, okay, you seem familiar. I don't know why. Why are you bothering me, child? I, I didn't get any vibes like she's messing with Luz or anything. I mean, she is deeply irresponsible, though, on some level. And I mean, you know, obviously 
it's balanced because she does go chase after Luz and like cares about you know her safety yeah yeah so the, the that was the the thing that i was getting at i think it was to like really establish that she did not care about Luz, so that we would have a like a strong tone of comparison for the end mm-hmm. of the series when like the way that she treats her and talks to her is like way different like actually calling her by name and like thinking that mm. the things that she thinks are important and being invested in her like before they even start like stating that they care about each other they're like showing it through their actions and their language i just don't see that this is trying to set her up as not caring about Luz because this episode like portrays her clearly as your surprisingly empathetic apathetic mentor like you know the fact that she's like i'm just gonna charge into at a guest's trap with having no plan she she doesn't even like drop fireballs from the sky she's just like hey i'm here and even even before Adagast shows up, when she's like, okay, here, you go off into town, goodbye. Um, and then she shuts the door and she's like, hey, King, you need to go with her. Like she was hoping for, you know, King to be the one to go with her and make it like it was his idea, not hers. I think she's pretending not to care, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I think there is a factor of that. I mean, I think you're right too, Soren, that there is a point of comparison that they do want to play up or they want it to feel like a journey because, I mean, from the perspective of the show so far Luz has just shown up and volunteered <laughs> to stay in this world <laughs> so it's a lot different than you know she didn't like get transported to another dimension and you know now she's stuck and she needs help like she's just voluntarily asking to become a witch and you know Ida has stuff that needs to get done so she's like you know as much as she's like a nice enough person to not want to see a cute innocent thing die She's willing to, you know, participate in, in keeping Luz alive and having her do some things for her. And maybe she sees, you know, that hopeful look in her eye and wants to entertain it. But at the same time, I mean, she also challenges, she challenges King to be like, oh, you should go with her because, hey, do you want me to start charging you rent? So there's like a base level of callousness, right? Even the way that she like talks to King and kind of boss him around a bit, you know, we're supposed to have this feeling that. You know, she wants to present herself as a badass witch. And, uh, you know, she doesn't totally get away with it. I think it's that and that also the, like, you can tell that her curse has, like, been really getting to her. And this is, of course, retroactively looking at it. Sorry, GC. Yeah. Like, you can tell in these episodes, it kind of sets, like, like retroactively looking back at them on how her curse was, like, really bringing her down. And it was causing her a lot of, uh, a lot of suffering. And it was getting to her, and then Luz kind of turned that around, and and they and they, and they do mention that kind of almost verbally in the series, and like you can't actually see it mm-hmm. in the text, which I do appreciate. Where it was like, yeah, Ida was actually like really being dragged down by her curse, and um, King was helping, but it like wasn't enough, and Luz really like helped unite them. Yeah, that seems like something Luz would do. Yeah, by accident. <laughs> she would have done it on purpose if she had known. I think it's really funny that Ida is like, feels so indebted to Luce for like, giving her a reason to live when it's, um, Luce is just there. <laughs> yeah. Luce is kind of a little ray of sunshine, isn't she? Yeah, but she was, she, she this was through absolutely no conscious effort on Luce's part at all. She was not like, I'm going to show Ida the beauty of living again. She just it did it because she was so great. That's actually really sweet. That framing is so cute. 
If Luz had been a big jerk, would it would anything else have come of it? I, I don't. I just don't think that you're gonna discover a zest for life by having a big jerk come into it. You know. Oh, that's also a very sweet interpretation. <laughs> Both the complete passiveness being like just being present in someone's life can improve it, but also that it's not passive because you choosing to be someone you know worth focusing on <laughs> is also so- something nice. Yeah, like, the way Luth was trying to prove herself was, like, completely incongruent to, like, what Ida actually liked in her. Which is, like, she was trying to prove that she was, like, competent and badass when, you know, the things that the things that draw people to her is not that. It's it's her mm-hmm. kindness and um, energy and personality. So you're, you're saying that being the uh, bad girl kind of chosen one would have... Uh... I mean, I, I thought it oh. was playing very against type for her. Which, that reminds me, I love this just very, like, small thing that happens, which is Ida, you know, walking in and saying, oh, are you guys talking about bad girls? <laughs> it's like, yes, we would like to have a conversation about that, Ida. Let's hear what your thoughts. But, to come, to come. Yeah, King's like, hey, yeah. <laughs> uh I mean, Ida was right, though, when she told Luz. I I know that, you know, King would later characterize it as mean-spirited laughter. But when Ida said, you know, just a couple more months and you won't look like such a mark. That's good advice for just about anybody. (laughs) Yes, if you get transported to the Boiling Isles. (laughs) Do you mean, oh, it's good to lay low when you appear in an alternate dimension for a few months? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's reasonable, but... uh No, it's it's good to understand things so people don't think that they can take advantage of you so easy. Right, it wasn't as cold advice as it may have sounded, or as King thought it was, yeah. I love how Luce being a human in the Boiling Isles and that being such a surprise, because everybody knew what humans were, and it was such a surprise, but she did not become a celebrity. Everyone was like, well, that's weird. Haven't seen any of those around. <laughs> it almost seems like that's something required of a show like this. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, since we're also doing Amphibia at the same time, I- I'm-, I'm just compelled to compare them constantly. In this aspect, they're similar, um, but for uh, different reasons as far as the lore goes, I think, later on. But yeah, also when Anne shows up in the world of Amphibia, the- I mean, humans are gross to the frogs, but it's not as shocking as a frog or a witch would be in our world, right? Like, we would, <laughs> you know, it's always going to involve the FBI or something eventually. Nah, <laughs> uh, not the FBI. You'd, you'd have some, they, they, they wouldn't be an organization we'd know the name right, of. Right, of course. They would introduce course. themselves as being from whoever Division 6, and that would be that. <laughs> the men in black. Yep. But yeah, so it just has to work that humans are known and okay, but it yeah, it does set up something special or weird or something that makes you want to know more about like the backstory of this world because clearly human involvement is something that is known and you know humans have wandered in from time to time but uh, you mentioned amphibia and i know last week when we talked about amphibia we talked a lot about fake outs that they did with their humor and i was so expecting Ida to stick her head back out and say i'm serious after she said be back by nightfall or face mortal peril I really expected it. I mean it. Yeah, there's less fake out humor. There's much more Alex Hirsch amazing line delivery humor in this in this episode. Yes. And generally. It reminds me a bit of the first couple seasons of The Simpsons. And almost the entirety of Futurama. 
where just like the joke density is insane and it's just like back to back the funniest stuff you've ever seen yeah that's true that like the intent of each episode is much more on the comedy about like basically even putting in zingers really there's there's just like a lot more attempts at one-liners compared to you know the joke density of steven universe is more like it's more per scene yeah (laughs) it's it's not like every line is trying to make something that could be like posted in a tweet (laughs) yeah it's more of a the whole package but then it like immediately sets up the world as being like very serious and it was just like ooh, freaky scary weird world that wants you dead all the time like very intense very high stakes (laughs) good morning horrifying fantasy world or was it terrifying Anyway, there there was a monster that said good morning back to her. I liked that. I like how Luth didn't think that the camp would call her mother. I'm completely changing the subject, by the way. Um, by accident. Uh, that Luth didn't think that the summer camp would call her mother when she didn't show up. Yeah, usually they don't <laughs> in cartoons like this, so I can see why she would think that. That's true. She thinks that, I mean, she's still, like, contacting her mom regularly by text messaging. But here's the thing. The camp... Was she pre-registered for it, or was it a thing where you just ship your kid to it? So perhaps you could explain <laughs> it away by saying that the camp doesn't know she's supposed to be there. I'm I'm going with something like that anyway. Yeah. I don't know, maybe she was supposed to register. Maybe your big sisters found out she was in a fantasy world, and they went and covered for her. Yeah, no. I don't- the camp is very much not a focus of anything for basically the whole series. <laughs> like, it's just the most minor oh, yeah, excuse. because that's Chris Statlander's story, not Luz's story. I don't know. I found the idea of like being sent to normal camp to like learn how to be normal is like such a sad oh yeah idea. Like not <laughs> to mention that it's like we do have camps like that and they're usually called Oof. conversion camps. Yeah, it's almost like they avoided really diving into it. That's not what Luz was being sent to though. It's like <laughs> Right, but it was more like a benign, boring kind of like Right, how to become normal SpongeBob camp. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, her mother said that she would learn to appreciate public radio there. That is not normal. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I don't know. I found that idea, like, hilariously dark. I don't know. I, I, I think the Luz who was in that principal's office really needed to be taught how not to freak the normies out. They don't like it when you spray them with spiders, Luz. Please don't do that. <laughs> I mean, <And> it's- <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. I found it's just, <laughs> like, maybe she should be seeing a psychologist and get diagnosed with ADHD and <laughs> right. instead of yeah, to and not be put people in camp. camp. Yeah, I feel like her mom never really gets that reckoning or communication. Oh, well. <laughs> there was definitely a lot of heat, which we'll get to only very far away from now, about, you know, sort of once they get to talk again, which, oh, spoiler GC, they might get to talk again. <laughs> you know, people really wanted, expected more out of Luz's mom, and there's quite a debate about it, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll get there when we get there. For I now, suppose. Luz is just very happy to be pretending that she's a chosen one, or a witch, or whatever, and uh, I guess we'll see how that turns out for her. Yeah, I have a feeling she being a main character, everything will turn out all right in the end. Might be a fun ride to get there, though. But uh, I do have a final thought. Adagast would have totally got me with the itty bitty kitty city. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Correct. Probably because you are an itty bitty kitty. Yeah. At least according <laughs> to you. Hey, 
It's the avatar we use for our season discussion videos, so that's what I'm sticking with. Mm -hmm. The little blue kitty. With the Infinity Train outfit. You should know you drew him. I did. Thank you for that, by the way. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Witches Before Wizards. Join us next week. We're back on Amphibia. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. It's all you. Oh yeah, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.